Hi, we're at Intelligent Content in San Jose, and I'm talking with Teresa Putke. Uh, Teresa, tell me, what it, what's your presentation on the title, kind of, and what motivated you to, to present about it, about the topic? Well, Kathy Wagner and I did a talk called Diagnosing and Solving Content Problems, and we wanted to give people a really practical talk for how they can go back home, do their jobs, and have a process or a framework for looking at what's wrong with their content and possibly how to solve it. So that's what we talked about today. So how do you figure out what's wrong with your content? <laughs> well, if you check out our slides, there's a, there's a whole process that goes along with it. So basically, you, you look at the documentation and research that you already have. You interview your stakeholders to find out what they want or what they don't want. Um, you can summarize your findings. You can do a content audit, a site structure audit, a search audit. And then you basically list those findings. You prioritize them with your stakeholders. And then you solve them. And there's four aspects to solving it that we talked about. There was content usability, findability and searchability, audience targeting, and tone and messaging. And those are some of the aspects you can you can look at when you're trying to address your problems. So what would you say is like a common thing that's wrong with documentation? Like a, documentation, yeah. like technical documentation. Yeah, yeah, you know, I mean, okay. we're talking about finding the problems. What's like the most common problem that, that, that you see or that people have? I think uh, I started as a technical writer and I don't do technical writing anymore. But one of the things that I always found really difficult about technical writing was that I didn't know a whole lot about who my audience was, who would be reading it, and what their challenges and problems and, and work um, requirements were. So it was really difficult for me to write to my audience to meet their needs. I was kind of, uh, sometimes I was to document how the software worked instead of how, their pro how the process might work and how the software fit into that, and then how they could adjust the software to meet their business needs. So I think that for technical writers, the knowing your audience and understanding their needs is one of the hardest problems that they can solve. Yeah, and so it's really comfortable as a technical writer for me to stay in my little cube, right, and not have yeah. to interact with the, the people who are using the software. So, yeah, yeah. So what do you recommend as a way to not have to like go out of my comfort zone and like uh, heaven forbid go into their actual environment, right? I want to yeah. just stay right on my computer. How can I still know my audience? Yeah. Well. I think for technical writers, it's really difficult for them to get in front of their audience. That they're so they're removed from the user experience or marketing, and it's just really hard to get there. They don't have the profile within the company to do that. However, uh, I did before I was a technical writer. I was a technical support analyst, and that was that was a wealth of information on what people are trying to do with their software and how it's not succeeding. So I would say um, one option is to sit with a tech support person just for an hour or a day, uh, kind of do like a study on how what their lives are like. Because at least if the documentation can't support the user, it can support the tech support to help them support the end user. Um, the other thing is to just look through the call logs that you get, um, see what problems, what questions people have. They're not always problems, they're sometimes questions about how the software works. Um, that's a really good way just to look at information that's already being collected in a, from a different viewpoint is a really good way to, to improve your job. Yeah, yeah, you know, 
I know that I should do all those things, <laughs> but it seems like I rarely have time to do them. Uh -huh. I mean, I know I should look at the user's search terms, I should review yeah. support calls, I should look at every question, but there's so much information yeah, that I could document that I don't. Uh, how, how do you kind of manage that? Like, do you, do you focus on just the common questions, or what do you do with all these fringe and edge cases and non-standard things oh, that yeah. are frustrating users? Yeah. Well, um, there's that rule, right? You write for 80% of your users, not 20%. Yeah. Um, the other thing is that if it were me looking back, um, I would have personas and scenarios and write to those. And okay. um, you know that 20% of people who are going to use your your product in a non-standard way, they can figure it out themselves too. Yeah. Like if they're going to do that, then they can get they can pay for some consulting. <laughs> so <laughs> writers influencing the bottom line. <laughs> uh, well, another problem that I run into is is lack of like a, a defined persona or lack of a, mm -hmm. a I don't know common characteristics of an audience. I have some people who are who are marketers, others who are developers, some people who are really tech savvy, others are new. Mm -hmm. How do you write for seven different audiences and, and have it meet their needs? Well, I think that each of those audiences has different needs, right? Like a new a new person to the product, um, it's going to have different information needs than somebody who's a power user. Um, so I think if you can figure out what different information they need, then you can kind of cater to those needs. Um, you know, a power user might need to know about process and workflow, and a new user just wants to know how to do something and save it properly. So how would you approach that? situation of having an advanced user and a beginning user. Would you separate out the material for the beginning user? Would you somehow put little uh, sections to expand for the advanced information within it? Like mm -hmm. how do you how do you merge that information or keep it separated in a way that makes sense in like oh. a documentation set? Um, I don't know how technically you would do that, but um, in the past I used to do where I knew that there they were more advanced topics. I um, I didn't go into detail about things that were listed elsewhere. So you know the basic topics, you can say, hey, before you read this topic, read those other ones, and uh, and then come back and read this one. Um, in that basic topic, you can say, hey, now once you've read this, you can read this topic as well to get more information. So it's kind of like, you know, you you lay the foundation, but you need to direct them further. And the power users have that foundation, but just in case a, a new user ends up at that power place, they can say. They can say, okay, I have, I don't have this foundation. I can go back. You can also make an image that says, hey, this is the process, or this is what you need to know, or this is how you can access all these things. So you, you, you've been talking a lot about like uh, when I was a technical writer. Yeah. Right? Now you're, right. you've been an information architect for That's many right. years now. Yeah. So uh, which, which is better, being a tech writer or an information <laughs> architect, and why? Uh, being an information architect is better. The reason I moved out of technical writing was because I wasn't having the influence on design that I wanted to have. And I was I was documenting these things that didn't work and eventually I said to the programmers, I said, why don't you just let me design it? And then I don't have to document all these things that don't work. I can I can design it so it works and then you can make it. And they were relieved because they don't do design. So that's how I got into design. And that's how I realized how much more power there was in that area than in technical writing. Um, however, I stopped being a technical writer about 10 years ago, so I can't speak to what the <laughs> field is today or how it's evolved. Um, but that, I, 
for me, information architecture is a better gig. So when you when you do information architecture projects, is it usually in the context like of a software application rather than a set of like information or articles that are mm -hmm. being organized? No, it, I do. Um, I would call that the software application. I would call that interaction design. Okay. And information architecture for me is content heavy intranets, websites, mm -hmm. content management systems, digital asset management systems, and um, doing the information structure in those as well as like the taxonomy and metadata within that. So, so one last question. Mm -hmm. uh, when you're when you're approaching a large information set, how important is a taxonomy and why would somebody want to do one? A taxonomy is very important. <laughs> <laughs> and somebody would want to do one for two main reasons. One is so that authors can find content and the other is so that users can find content. So authors need to find content so they can reuse it so they're not copying and pasting things around or just rewriting it. You don't want people rewriting or copying and pasting. <coughs> because it ruins the um, consistency as well as uh, accuracy of your content. Um, so that it helps authors in that way. And for users, it helps them find the content that um, if the taxonomy and metadata is better, then um, in the search results, it will it will improve the search results on the on the, on the website or the intranet. And it kind of, I guess, it shows you what's what's more important about that content. It, um, I don't really know how to say it. Anyway. Oh no, that's yeah. that's a great answer. And uh, I I should have backed up and like defined what a taxonomy is and so forth. Do you want to give like a, just a brief definition, kind of what yeah. what we mean by taxonomy, and just uh, briefly? Yeah, yeah. No, in its simplest form, it's a list of controlled words that people use to apply tags to their content so they can find it, reuse it. Yeah. Um, so yeah, a list of your key words in your company, you just apply that to your content and you can find it by subject, you can find it by, um, well, author, although that's more metadata. Um, yeah, it's basically whatever is important to you. You make a list, you apply it to your content so you can find it again. Uh, so if users want to find more information about about you, about um, solving problems and so forth with, with uh, design and everything, where should they go? I know you have a newsletter, right? Or you had a newsletter, you transitioned into something else? Yeah, yeah, so there's my website. Uh, it's www.keypoint.ca, and point is with an E on the end. And uh, also, I'm on LinkedIn, you can look me up. My last name is P-U-T-K-E-Y. All right, well, <laughs> so, yeah. thanks, Teresa, I appreciate it. You're welcome.